This is Connected Nation, a podcast focused on all things broadband. From closing the digital divide to improving your internet speeds, we talk technology topics that impact all of us, our families, and our communities. On today's podcast, we take a deep dive with those behind efforts to improve high-speed internet coverage across all areas of Texas, which is not an easy task when you consider how large the Lone Star State is. We'll discuss what it has taken to develop better broadband coverage data for a whopping 254 counties. We'll ask why that's so important and explore the reason 2022 is a critical time, not just for Texas, but for every state in the union. I'm Jessica Denson, and this is Connected Nation. I'm Jessica Denson. Today, my guests are Jennifer Harris, the State Program Director for Connected Nation Texas, and Ashley Hitt, who is the Vice President of Geoanalytics for Connected Nation. Welcome, ladies. Thank you, Jessica. Good to be here. I'm excited to talk about what you guys have been doing in Texas. Um, it's an important time for Connected Nation Texas as the program recently wrapped more than two years of work funded through the Texas Rural Funders. Let's begin with you, Jennifer, and set the stage for our listeners. Can you share what CN Texas has been up to over the last couple of years? We've been up to a whole lot. As everyone knows, um, broadband could not be a hotter topic in Texas or across our country. Um, so we have been doing absolutely everything we can to focus on both getting better data for the state of Texas to work directly with communities so so that they really understand both what they have, what they don't have, but um, really what the demand is for broadband in their communities. And just generally talking about broadband all that we can to get more people excited about, you know, excited about the topic and so that they're they're learning and informed of really what they can do to help. And you really took a four-pronged approach. As I mentioned, this is um, part of a two-year project. This is, we're kind of coming to the end of that. Can you really talk about what approach you took um, in Texas? So with um, collecting data, which broadband data hadn't been collected at the state level in Texas um, in a handful of years. So with collecting and analyzing that broadband data, you're exactly right. There was a four-pronged approach, and it started with working directly with broadband providers so that we can accurately um, collect data and then map their existing broadband service areas. And that includes just having those personal relationships with broadband providers that we can share data back and forth. And, and, you know, if something looks funny, we're there to say, Hey, is this right? Or if something looks funny to them, they can say, Hey, is this right? And, and really just talking through that data to make sure it's as accurate as possible. Um, With this data, you know, we were able to equip decision makers um, so that they could really make smart decisions, whether that was at the community level Um, the regional level are really looking at making some state level policy choices over the past few years. It's been wonderful to have this data available. We've also been educating the public um, about what broadband availability looks like across the state of Texas and, and really why broadband is important to have, whether that's for remote work, whether that's for remote education, whether that's for telehealth, or all of the other wonderful things that technology you know, allows us to do on a daily basis. And then we've also been able to use data to back up strategies and best practices to really facilitate um, broadband access to, to all Texans across the state. And 
this is these latest maps that just came out in the last couple of weeks. This is the fifth and final scheduled update for the county by county data on internet speeds and coverage across the state. Share a little bit about what you've been learning from these each time that we've updated these maps and why that's so important to keep going back and improving upon them. Well, I, I think I think we all know that the data is a snapshot in time and can can always a be better. Um, but things change too. Um, we're seeing obviously investments everywhere across the state and everywhere across the country in infrastructure. So that that increase in infrastructure is something that we have to collect as new broadband um, availability appears for for homes across Texas. Um, but then also just refining and learning better. Um, looking, like I said, if something looks weird, going in and actually investigating why that looked weird and uncovering whether whether something may have been overstated or something understated in that data set when it comes to broadband availability. And so, um, you know, really thinking, thinking about that, we've been able to improve upon this data set every, every six months for the last two and a half years, um, which, you know, honestly, I, 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 hope, I hope that broadband mapping continues in Texas and we're able to continue to improve upon this data set because you really need a longer, a longer piece of time to really show trends like we'd really want to be able to show as far as connectivity. But what we have seen is that there is a consistent problem specifically in rural Texas, even where minimum connectivity at a 25, three megabit per second speed exists. As soon as we get into higher speeds, that 100 by 10 megabit per second connectivity, it does rapidly fall off in many of our rural communities across Texas. And we've seen that hold true, even as 25.3 connectivity may have improved a little bit in the state, that faster connectivity um, is still a significant problem in many, many of our rural communities. And Ashley, let's turn to you for a moment. As the head of geoanalytics, you really had to handle this data. And let me help people, let me frame just how much data that is. First, 254 counties with four maps for each county. And if you're doing the math, which I did it, let's hope I did it right, that's about 1,016 maps plus an interactive version. How do you even begin to break down that amount of data and tackle it? Sure. So we do broadband mapping with a, a four-pronged approach to be able to publish more accurate, detailed, and usable data on broadband access. And like Jennifer said, that really goes to help equip people with the information they need to figure out where the gaps are and how to best fill them. So the first task is conducting independent research where we are searching available information in the public domain, in state and federal databases, licensing, etc., uh, to try and establish a baseline, who all the providers are, and begin into step two, which is establishing those relationships that Jennifer was talking about with the broadband providers to specifically obtain data and information on their networks to map and better reflect where services available at a much more granular level than what is currently provided to the FCC. Um, so people may be familiar with the census block data that is at the FCC, and unfortunately, it is overstated inherently in just how telecom networks are mapped against those boundaries and telecom networks are completely independent of those boundaries. And so we like to get way more detailed in terms of where those services are actually available. The third task is conducting field validation where our telecom engineers are collecting data on assets and infrastructure 
to identify where the maps are correct, and then more importantly, where the data need refinement and correction. And then the fourth item is to collect resident feedback on the maps and data. So having local residents let us know where there are discrepancies and where they don't have service really allows us to have another layer of information to analyze and refine the broadband coverage maps. Um, so bringing all of those approaches and tasks together, we've been able to continue updating and refining the broadband data and maps since the initial map for the project was released in January of 2020. And when you talk about all of that, and, and by comparison, uh, the FCC maps, the Federal uh, Communications Commission maps, are are done at a much broader level currently. Isn't that correct? It is. And so census blocks, while that is the smallest geographic unit or smallest geographic boundary that exists that the census has information for or collects data for, or that can be attributed to some type of boundary. Unfortunately, the more rural an area is, the larger these census blocks get. And so trying to track where exactly services at a kind of a binary um, uh, boundary that's not really reflective of broadband service areas and how they actually are mapped uh, has really created some overstatement issues of where and, and finding where people are actually unserved. So the first maps came out in early January 2020, and um, uh, Jennifer talked a little bit about the data, but now here we are two years later. From your point of view as a, a geoanalytics um, person, person who leads that, what are some of the key data indicators that we've seen change or that you're getting out of this latest version of the maps? Sure. So in addition to publishing maps on where the services are available, we've also been estimating statistics on broadband availability and calculating how many households are served and unserved at certain speeds. So in this most recent map release to the January 2022 version, we found that more than 165,000 households remain unserved at the 25 by 3 um, or 25 meg download, 3 meg upload. Um, as Jennifer said, it's the current definition uh, federally of what is considered the minimum broadband speed. But even that speed is not good enough in most cases to access critical services and share the available bandwidth within a, a household. And so we also analyze even higher speeds. Um, and so like Jennifer mentioned, when we look at 100 by 10 speeds or 100 meg down and 10 meg up, we now see that there's more than 575,000 households in Texas that don't have that level of service. Um, and then there's that huge divide that exists between urban and rural parts of the state. And we see that rural availability decreases from about 95% at that minimum 25 by three speed to just over 82% at 100 by uh, 10 speeds. And so um, we're certainly tracking all of that and trying to focus the efforts on where they're most needed across the state, whether that is urban or rural. There are different barriers and challenges that exist in each location. Um, but a couple of the other interesting things that we've seen is on the technology side. And so over the past couple of years, we have found that fixed wireless deployment continues to increase, uh, not only in the areas that are covered by the fixed wireless signals, but also the upgrade in speeds that they're able to offer residents. And then additionally, we're continuing to see DSL or a copper-based service continue to be decommissioned and also transition to fiber to the home service. And that fiber to the home service allows for much higher speeds than DSL could traditionally achieve. So we're seeing differences in speed availability. Uh, certainly the gap is getting smaller, but 
there is still a lot of work to be done when there are 575,000 households just in the state of Texas. And certainly with that size component we were talking about earlier, some of them are very, very dispersed. And being able to hit all of those locations with broadband expansion takes a lot of work. And that first part is identifying where exactly those are located. Yeah, so we're not making investments in places that don't make sense. Um, Jennifer, uh, you know, I, I'm saying that pl- not making investments in places that don't make sense, but it's really a bigger thing, right? Why this data is so important, especially right now, correct? Absolutely. I mean, we're we're talking about dollars from the infrastructure bill coming. We're talking about knowing where connectivity is, but maybe where people aren't subscribing. And maybe that's an affordability issue, or maybe that's a lack of device issue, or maybe that's a digital skills issue. So it's just as important to know where connectivity does exist and where folks aren't subscribing and being able to match up those data sets together to see if there's a different public policy solution that needs to be implemented. It would be awesome if we found out that a community is 100% connected, but then turns out only about 60% of the community is subscribing. Well, that, that's not an ava- availability problem. That's another problem. But, but having both of those data sets would then allow us to, to drill down and, and see what solution possibly could be implemented so that those folks are able to have connectivity all day, every day in their homes. So you're really saying that the idea of broadband, and I know we talk about this a lot at Connected Nation, is not just there's, is there infrastructure. There are other pieces to this from uh, affordability to digital literacy to all kinds of things that we need to really be looking at, correct? Absolutely. Um, you know, with it all starts with having physical access, we think, but if we think about a community that may not have much interest in broadband, maybe they just, you know, they're not interested in it. Well, if a community is not interested, then what is the incentive to then build infrastructure? So, you know, we think about it starting, well, there's got to be infrastructure first, and then people subscribe, and then people use broadband. But we have to think about it from the other perspective, too, that we want to make sure that students coming up through public education have the digital skills that would then encourage them um, to be curious about signing up for broadband that enables them to potentially work from home or even apply for a job from home. Um, we're seeing that many um, you know, of our skilled trades now, even if that's a job that you're going to in person, the job application might be online. So making sure that we have those skills and that folks want to be able to use broadband, um, whether that's to remote work or to apply for a different type of job, um, that can help, you know, drive um, infrastructure decisions in a community when someone knows that that infrastructure is actually going to be used. And, and second, I know that you're really primarily focused on Texas, but you've always seemed to have your uh, finger on the pulse for the entire nation when it comes to what's going on with broadband policy, especially at the federal level. Uh, every state should really be looking at getting a better picture of their broadband coverage data right now due to the funding that's out there. It that's my understanding. Can you explain why that's so important? Yeah, a- absolutely. So when um, when we receive, um, ultimately, hopefully at some point this year, um, new, more granular data from the FCC um, as to broadband availability across the entire country, states are actually going to have the opportunity to challenge that data, but that's only if they have their own data sets. So if a state has been doing their homework and is prepared and has their own data that then they can compare to the new federal data that we expect to get at some point this year, 
And, and they discover that really in the state's version of the data, there are more unserved homes than the FCC believes there to be. That's a potential for a state to receive more money um, to help serve those homes than they might have received initially. So it's absolutely critical that all states are using this time um, to do their homework while we're waiting on new federal data. Um, and even if it's just to double check that the federal data is correct, then we know that we're really making the smartest decisions possible with dollars moving forward. And that data really will determine how much each area gets. Is that that's my understanding, is that correct? That is correct. States won't actually know um, how many dollars they are set to receive from the infrastructure bill until we have that new federal data. So while each state is set to receive a hundred million minimum, our larger states and those with a lot of unserved residents can expect to see much, much more. Um, but that's going to depend on, on that new data that we just don't have today. And Ashley, I'm not overstating to say that you're a leader in geoanalytics. Um, in fact, you're the incoming president for the international organization, URISA, which is focused on GIS professionals. Given your experience in this field, I thought it might be interesting to share a little bit more about what GIS and geoanalytics is for those out in our in our audience who may not know or understand it and, and why it's so critical that you apply that to this data. Sure. So GIS stands for Geographic information systems. And it's the combination of the technology, data, and visualization to better understand location-based information. Uh, we use it daily at Connected Nation to process and analyze broadband data, and then also to create interactive applications. So all kinds of stakeholders can understand where the areas are to focus on for the broadband uh, expansion, uh, knowing where those gaps truly exist, knowing those locations, knowing those people, and really being able to turn those anecdotes and those stories about where there are gaps in service to, to real life location data that can then be used to make a difference. And, um, you know, I, I, I understand your team has a lot of expertise in, in broadband, um, especially data analysis and uh, geoanalytics, if you will. But what are some pitfalls that state leaders, local leaders should really avoid if they were looking at any company or any nonprofit that's working in this? So there's there's not a, a one-size-fits-all solution for every state and community. So as we started to mention earlier, Connect a Nation, we really have a more holistic approach to expanding broadband access, adoption, and use. Um, so while the broadband maps certainly inform the access component, if there aren't people adopting the service because of various challenges, like Jennifer was mentioning, um, and then they aren't using it because they don't know how to access those critical services, then we haven't done our job. So being able to look at it very holistically in terms of access, adoption, and use really plays an important role. Um, and then it's also important to leverage different policy knowledge. There, there are so many different state and federal programs and funding opportunities, in addition to all the various community and state statutes, legislative actions, all of which can impact what can and can't be done or the requirements for how to be eligible for funding or apply for a program, uh, it can be really overwhelming to make sure that all of those components are considered. And so being able to really bring everything together as a holistic approach, not just for broadband access adoption and use, but how do I put that together? How do I identify the unserved areas? How do I apply for funding? How do I get funding to the right areas? Um, being able to really put that all together is, has been really important for the work that we've done in communities across the country. 
And Jennifer, coming back to you just for a moment in Texas, uh, it's important to point out that the effort that you've been working on with the rural Texas funders, uh, it was not just the data. You've also been working directly with communities. Is that correct? Absolutely. I mean, we could not be more appreciative of our partnership and the constant collaboration and support from the Texas rural funders over these past two and a half years. Of course, you know, the work the work that has impacted every resident of Texas has been the broadband data analysis and mapping. But work that has affected many, many rural communities, um, dozens and dozens of rural communities, has been community-level um, technology action planning. And so really building multi-sector um, community teams to really talk about broadband from a residential perspective, a business perspective, an agricultural industry perspective, K-12, higher ed, healthcare, um, libraries, other community anchor institutions, um, public safety, and even our government um, government agencies, um, whether you know that's city hall or or um, the county courthouse, and talking about connectivity, um, you know, really holistically, you know, as Ashley talked about, but from a stakeholder perspective in each of these communities, and so we've been able to work with communities and some great community champions to understand both the the supply, as we discussed before, and demand for broadband in each of these communities and help them to develop local plans um, so that when when dollars are available um, from the infrastructure bill or other programs, whatever we have coming our way, that these communities know, know what's going on, um, they've got their data, and they're ready to apply for a grant. They're ready to partner with a broadband provider in a public-private partnership. Um, they're they're ready to request funds um, for a project because once again they've done their homework. So just as states should be doing their homework as far as data to be able to match that up with the federal data that we expect to have later this year, um, communities need to be doing their homework so that they're ready to really make the case um, for dollars to come to them when those dollars are available. Communities that have done their homework have a plan, have projects ready to go. Those are the ones that are much more likely. Um, to hit the ground running once that funding is made available to them. So it sounds like right now is really a critical time for leaders and decision makers to be prepared for when these funds become available. Absolutely. And, and we've got the time right now. I mean, the dollars are not here today and they're not here t tomorrow. So the best thing we can do is be planning right now. Fantastic. Well, Ashley and Jennifer, I want to give each of you uh, a moment to tell us what you think our listeners or state and local leaders should take away from today's conversation. Uh, Jennifer, since we've just talked with you, why don't you start? Well, I, I think that, you know, back to what I just said, the biggest thing we can do right now is, is to work on planning and, and be ready. Um, we've got a lot of awesome opportunity coming as far as broadband in Texas and across our entire nation. And states and communities that are prepared um, to receive those federal funds and whatever, and be prepared for whatever opportunities may come their way are, are going to be much, much closer to making sure that all residents in, in their states and in their communities have connectivity in, in, in the best way possible. And Ashley, for you, any final thoughts? It would have to be that better broadband data equals a more connected future. Um, we, we must continue to get more detailed and accurate in broadband mapping activities in order to correctly identify the gaps and then implement the right solutions to get every person connected to broadband, not just in Texas, but across the entire country. 
Okay, those are some good words to end on. A better broadband data equals a more connected future. Uh, thank you, ladies. I appreciate you both giving me your time today to talk about what you've been doing in Texas. Thanks, Jessica. Thank you. Again, my guests today were Jennifer Harris, who is the State Program Director for Connected Nation Texas, and Ashley Hitt, who is the Vice President of Geoanalytics for Connected Nation. We've been discussing the recent county-by-county broadband coverage mapping update for Texas. You can find links to the county and statewide maps as well as an interactive map in the description of this podcast. I'm Jessica Denson. Thanks for listening to Connected Nation. If you like our show and want to know more about us, head to connectednation.org or look for the latest episodes on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and other major podcast platforms. <laughs>